turn to Hebrews chapter 12. I have really enjoyed the study that we're in on Hebrews. And, um, and if you get nothing else from Hebrews, <clears throat> just remember Jesus Christ is better than all. And really, we mentioned this morning the three groups of people that he wrote this to, Hebrew believers, individuals that knew about God and agreed with Jesus Christ was the Messiah, but they never submitted to him, they never yielded, they never trusted Christ, and then those that just ignored it or rejected it, <clears throat> and and he was writing to them, to all of them, to urge them to be all in on Jesus Christ. Um, a lot of the early believers um, had a loyalty to their Judaism practices. And, and he, as we mentioned this morning, he was showing them Jesus Christ is better than any and all of them, and and he has put them um, to rest. So, but his he's urging them to be all in, and and I want us to look tonight as just a, a little matter of review. Four calls that God gives us to be all in, and then the commitment that He calls us. Okay, if I'm fully invested in this, not. Not a part-time deal. Fully invested. So the four calls and then what the commitment will mean. And, and the first call is the call of Christ, which we basically went over this morning. We're not gonna belabor this, but He is far better than anything else. Why would we not commit to Him? I mean, He is Far, there's nothing that even compares. I mean, in our life, we are committed to something. And yet, in Hebrews, he's saying over and over again, Christ is far better. There is no comparison. And, and he's giving us that call, and that alone should be sufficient. That because Christ is far better... He should have all of our heart and all of our love and all of our energies. So, chapters 1 through 10, he's going over that, that Christ is far better. But uh, turn to chapter 10 and verse uh, 30, well, verse 30. We read this this morning, but I want to mention again another aspect of this. He, he had said, if, if you reject Christ, um, understand what lies before you. Verse 30, for we know him who said, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. Verse 31, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. There is the call of Christ, that Christ is far better. There is the call of God's wrath. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. 
And, and we don't hear a lot about this in the world that we live in today. But when we rebel against God and choose rebellion against God, we bear the condemnation of God. And it is a dangerous thing. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. And this is the call. I, I don't want the wrath of God upon me. And, and I want his smile. I mean, there were times as a kid that you really didn't want to do something, but you didn't want the wrath of your parents upon you. You wanted their smile. You wanted, and, and understand when we refuse Jesus Christ, all that is upon us is the wrath of God. And, and there is the call of God's wrath. But I want to spend a little more time on this third call. It's, it's interesting to me, um, many times you'll see um, college football teams, for example, they will have an honorary captain, that a former player um, that will be back as as a captain, and um, and you think, why do they bring them back? They bring them back as motivation to the current players. These players that are currently playing know these guys. They've gone on, let's say, football. They've gone on to the NFL or something like that. And and they're motivated. Um, recently, um, uh, honorary captain Desmond King came back. He was a defensive back, won defensive back of the year award. He now plays pro. And he challenged two of the defensive backs. He said, I want you guys to get interceptions today. Both of them got an interception in that game. Now, it wasn't necessarily because he did, but it, it, it caused them to think, this is somebody we look up to, and wow, he's challenging me to do this. In chapters 1 through 10, he's lifting up Jesus Christ, and he's saying he's better than anything else. But then in chapter 11, the Faith Hall of Fame, he brings it down to individuals we see as heroes throughout. They're, they're mountain peaks of faith that we see. And, and he says in verse 1, I mean, excuse me, verse chapter 1 of, chapter 12 of verse 1, okay? Sorry. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, notice what he's saying here. He has just come, and we'll come back to chapter 11, but he's referring back to chapter 11, where he's gone over these great cloud of witnesses, and he says, Seeing we are encompassed around by a great cloud of witnesses, I want you to picture with me this. We are the ones on the playing field today. 
And you will see, if you watch ball games, they will zoom in on a former player or former coach and say, here he is, he's at the game today. We are the ones on the playing field, and chapter 11 is basically zooming in on individuals that have been individuals that have walked by faith. They were all in for Christ And he says, hey, you're living today, but you're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And and as you look at that, um, go back to chapter 11 now. And and we're just going to go through a few of these. Chapter 11 and verse 7, by faith. So here we are. By faith, Noah. So imagine the, the camera zooms in. Here we are. We're the ones on the playing field. It says, by faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. So there he says, look at this, by faith. Noah, you know the story of Noah, 120 years. He obeyed God in something that had never happened before, but he obeyed God. He moved with fear. And he says, this is the kind of guy that's watching you right now. And he goes on throughout this. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, he obeyed. He he went out to a place he didn't know. He obeyed God. When God said, I want you to offer your son, he obeyed God. By faith, he believed that God would would provide a substitute that would raise up Isaac in one way or another. He obeyed God. I mean, these are the ones that are watching. He says in verse verse 24, um, and, and we're skipping over some of these, many of these, but by faith, Moses... When he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. So here's Moses, but he calls attention to Moses' parents. He said they saw this was a gift of God and and they hid him and they did it without fear. We just sang, why should I fear? Jesus is near. He is with me through day and night. But then it goes on and it talks about Moses. By faith, Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Moses, here he is. He's there watching, seeing and and we are now the representatives of Jesus Christ. And Moses, in a wicked society, was not ashamed to identify with the people of God. He took a stand for the cause of God, and God rewarded him. In verse 32, it mentions uh, several others. Time would fail me to tell of Gideon. So here is Gideon. A hero of the faith. Gideon, a man who said, I can't do it, God. I'm, I'm no one. 
I'm the least of my father's household, and we're the least of the least. And then God whittled his army down, and God trusted, Gideon trusted God to do the impossible. And he mentions Elijah, who prayed, and God answered. And you mentioned Peter. We could go on through others. We could zoom in. I mean, you think of the history that is that is there in Christianity. But notice if you look in verse 33. He mentions many others, Samson and David and Samuel, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in the battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Notice then, others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trials of mockings and scourging, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were slain with the sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God, having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. So he lists these that accomplished great things. But then he says, there are also seated in the stands watching us, if you please. And they were individuals that because of their faith, they were literally sawn in two. They were persecuted. They wandered about hiding, wearing sheepskins, hiding in in caves. And they did not receive in this life their reward. But he said, they were individuals of faith. And I say all that to bring into perspective the call of our forefathers to a total commitment. What is it that keeps us from being totally committed to Christ? And you think of it. They're seated in the stands and they see what we hold back and what it is. A couple years ago, I went to a wrestling meet here in Sheraton. Uh, I think there were three or four different teams here. And I, I watched the wrestling, and I don't think I saw, only the wrestlers will know this, I didn't see one cross face in the whole time I was there. And I thought, a cross face is when somebody shoots on you. Our coach told us, you want to try to rip their head off. I mean, you don't just want to, isn't that right, those of you that wrestled? I mean, you want to make them so they don't, anyway, that's a whole nother. And I, I went home and I thought, for crying out loud, not one cross face. What, what are we coming to? I wonder what these heroes of faith looking on us now 
are thinking, what are we coming to in Christianity? These were people of faith that it looked impossible, but they said, God, I'll obey you. These were people that, that literally were tortured and, and scourgings and imprisonments, and, and yet they said, Christ is better than all, and he has my all. And they're the ones seeing us today. Well, they weren't very nice to me, so I'm not going to. Or We've got all these things. And I just wonder what they're, the call of our forefathers, as they're looking down and saying, listen, we, we have done this and this and this. And they're not saying we, they're saying God. But this is the heritage that you have. Don't drop the ball now. Whatever it takes, whatever is necessary, because Christ is better than all. The call of our forefathers. And look in Hebrews 11 and verse 6, one other call that I want to mention, the call of rewards. And it says in verse 6, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You must believe that God is the rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Will it be in this life? It may not be. In most cases, your reward will not come in this life. At times it does. But you must believe, faith is believing that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Those who are all in for Him. They diligently seek Him. And God says, I will reward that. There's the call of the reward. I mean, nothing else in life, nothing, other, no other purpose in life will reward you like putting God first and foremost. Because Christ is better than all, because of the fear of the Lord, because of the call of our forefathers and the call of reward, we ought to be all in. Now, look at chapter 12. And he says, Therefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, and he's building on all of this, all these calls that we've mentioned, What should we do if we are all in? Lay aside every weight and sin which so easily besets us. Lay aside everything that hinders us spiritually. Now, needless to say, sin ought to be laid aside. But he uses lay aside every weight and sin. There are certain things that aren't sin, but they're a weight to us. When you go to run a race, you don't put on weights. You lay aside the weights. You lay aside anything that will hinder us. It is not just sin. It's anything that hinders my pursuit of God, anything that hinders my love for God. We often ask, well, what's wrong with it? We're asking the wrong question. 
we ought to be asking, how does this help me? How does this help me know God? How does this help me have the fruit of the Spirit? How does this help me represent Him? How does this help me to be closer to God? How does it help me to have the character of God? Asking, well, what's wrong with it? That's, that's the wrong question. And, and because of these calls to commitment, a commitment means, first of all, we're talking to believers here, that you've trusted Christ as Savior. It's now to lay aside anything that hinders us spiritually. And then he says, and let us run with patience, endurance, the race that is set before us. We are to run with endurance, meaning nothing is going to stop me. It doesn't matter the disappointments. There will be disappointments. People will fail you. There will be adverse circumstances come. But no, it is Jesus Christ and nothing is going to stop me. I am running with endurance Nothing will turn me aside. And and you look around the stadium and there's all these people that have gone before us and nothing stopped them. And he says, you have the call of them, but it's the call of Christ is first and foremost. What does it take to make you to quit? What does it take to make you to draw back? Now, I know it's evident. You're here tonight and you say, I haven't quit. But we can be here tonight and we're just kind of, I don't know how else to say it. We don't have our foot to the throttle. We're just coasting. We're just going through the motions. Listen, this is all that matters. Christ is all that matters. It is all that matters. When everything's said and done, it's it. This is where our, our best energies and our focused energies ought to be in our relationship with Jesus Christ, and we run with endurance. Endurance is just not putting up with it. When the Bible uses the word endurance, patience, it's joyfully bearing up under. Okay, we're, we're given a load, and we're not bearing the load and complaining about it, we, we have a joy that the Spirit of God produces. And, and we read earlier, they counted a joy to suffer for Christ. It's running, laying aside everything that hinders. It's focused on Jesus Christ. And it's running with endurance. And then he says, verse 2, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat, has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We look to Christ's example. You may be weary in the battle, and honestly, the battle does get weary. You may be falsely accused, any number of things, and he said, Lest you be wearied and faint in your heart, look unto Jesus. 
So we look to him, and he says, he goes on and he said, Consider him that endured such hostility of sinners. And and he goes on and says, You have not yet resisted unto blood striving against sin. I mean, certainly in in our land today, thankfully, we haven't been been called to suffer, but there are people all around the world that have been called to suffer, but their suffering will never match the suffering Jesus Christ bore for our sins. And that's why he holds Jesus Christ. You think you've got it bad? Look at Jesus. And it will make every one of us say, oh, okay. And that's why Jesus Christ is our example. Jesus Christ is our model. We have never and we will never suffer as he did. And that's why he calls us. He did it for me. Whoa, that ought to, that ought to build a strength and a confidence and an, an endurance. So he says, this is a commitment. Lay aside anything that hinders us spiritually. Run with endurance. Don't let anything turn you away from Jesus Christ. Look to his example. Let it be the motivation for you. And then he goes on, and we we don't want to take the time, but he says here, verse 12, Strengthen the hands that hang down and the feeble knees. Make straight paths for your feet. Pursue peace with all people in holiness. Chapter 13 and verse 1, let brotherly love continue. And he goes on and deals with some practical aspects. But basically what he's saying is love the brethren. Chapter 10, he said the same thing. He said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. But do it so much the more as you see the day approaching, exhorting one another and and building up one another so that we will be strong in the faith. Love the brethren. If we are committed to Christ and we lay aside the weights and sins that, that hinder us and we look to Jesus Christ in endurance, in looking to Jesus Christ, we will be called to love the brethren. And the greatest thing we can do is love. No matter what else we do, if we don't love one another, it profits us nothing. Zero. Zero is a line. It's it's zero with the line removed. There's nothing there. It doesn't matter. He says, though you um, do all these things and have not love, See, a commitment to Christ will produce love in our hearts. And we get these ideas that this is a commitment to Christ. Will it be manifested in my life? So Hebrews is really a call to a, a, a all-out commitment. The first group, the believers, Hebrew believers, they were losing confidence in this and 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 wondering, do we need to go back to Judaism? And he said, no. Christ is better than all. And lay aside every weight and sin and pursue Christ and endure. Look at, look at who's gone before you, what they've done. Now, we're on the playing field. 
And it's up to us to represent Jesus Christ. So run with endurance and keep your eyes fixed on Christ. Because looking unto Jesus, he is the author and the finisher of our faith. And he endured such contradiction of sinners for us. And as you are running, do all you can to encourage believers and love one another and lift them up because we all get weary and we all get strengthened the, the hands that are feeble and, and the hands that hang down and the feeble knees and help one another and love the brethren. And this is the calling that he gives to us. And he says, I want you to be all in. Why? Because... Nothing else can even come close, and nothing else matters except Christ. Heavenly Father, I pray that your Spirit would challenge us from the book of Hebrews as we continue studying it this week. And Lord, I pray that your Spirit would show me and show us The things that are hindering our walk with you, they may not be a sin in and of themselves. But, Lord, that we would lay aside anything that hinders our walk with you. And, God, I pray that we would let nothing, as Paul said, none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, that I might finish the course that is set before me. Lord, may we run with endurance, looking unto you as our example, as our motivation. And Lord, while we're running, may we diligently love the brethren. Lord, uh, don't let us settle for mediocrity. May we be encouraged and spurred on by the workings of your Spirit And, Lord, I pray that we would have a renewed commitment to you tonight. While our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, you're here tonight as a believer.